0: God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Lord, we come before you this morning and thank you for Christmas, thank you for this time, thank you for our church family and our families that we got to spend a little bit of time with, or maybe we didn't get to spend time with. Thank you for presence and laughter and music and joy and lights and good meals and warm fires. Thank you. Lord, uh, it's been a, a challenging year. There's a lot of people that we know that are hurting, and we've gathered together today in your name, and we look forward to a new year. Father, please open our hearts and open our minds as we have your word open in front of us that we could go forward, that we would carry your standard, that we would carry your banner, that we would proclaim you in the streets, that people would hear you and see you and know you, Father, this year. Amen. So, some quick announcements. If you were singing this song, we do the Muppets Christmas carols. You guys do the Muppets Christmas carols, anybody? But... You know, it's it's the you know where the you know the five golden rings. You gotta you gotta yell that part because it's Miss Piggy that does that one. You gotta <laughs> yell it. But if you were keeping track, actually, Christmas Day is actually the first day of the twelve days of Christmas. If you were um, really wanting to to keep track of those, so um, you know, um, it's not leading up to the day of Christmas. It actually starts on the on the first day of Christmas or the twelve days of Christmas. So I think we're on five golden rings, aren't we? No. <laughs> So um, we do have a birthday today that I was informed about. It's it's James' birthday today. So can we sing happy birthday to James? Absolutely we can. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear James. Happy birthday to you. All right. Uh, we do have Food Bank coming up on uh, January 8th and 9th, um, so be there or be square. <laughs> uh, the, um, we do have a fifth Sunday coming up in January, so uh, we need to get some kiddos to uh, to think of a favorite Bible verse or um, something they would like to, to say to us on that fifth Sunday, I and mean, we'll do an all-church Sunday, and uh, maybe they got something on their hearts or on their minds that they want to say to us, so um, if your kiddo is interested or Maybe you haven't talked to them about it, but now would be a great time to ask them and say, hey, is there something that you guys would like to say? It's a time for them to share their favorite Bible verse or um, their favorite thing about church, something like that. And we get to all sit in here and we get to hear from them, which is always good and refreshing. Um, we've got uh, Bible studies, we'll probably be resuming here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've got to get everybody settled after the holidays, but then we'll be right back at it. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, um, flip in your Bibles first to, uh, to Luke chapter 2, and then we're going to go to, to uh, John chapter 16. So, if you go to, to Luke chapter 2, and uh, we're actually going to go to Luke 2.14, and what I want to talk about today is, is peace. How many of you guys would like to have peace in your life, especially as we go forward into 21? Into How many of you would you like to have a, a joyful and peaceful Twenty-one, I would. So the whole purpose of this is to hopefully give us a kind of a toolbox, a peace toolbox, a guide that we can carry with us throughout the year that when we find ourselves in times of turmoil, in times of struggle, as we know we're going to have, that we have some resources, that we have some tools that we can pull out to help face those troubles. So if we go to Luke chapter 2, verse 14, this time talking about the birth of Jesus. This is amazing what, what the angels say. They say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Fascinating, peace. And then if we go to, uh, to John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, this is, a, this is a sermon that Jesus has given right before the crucifixion. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. That's an amazing statement. The heavens proclaim that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and then Jesus himself says, In me you can find peace. Incredible. So we have lots of things that try and steal our peace, don't we? Things that try and take us away from that place. We have peace from inner turmoil, things within ourselves. These big questions that we wrestle with constantly: Who am I? Why am I here? What is what is my purpose? Well, the truth of that is that we are fallen, sinful, and separated. That's who we are, and it causes us great discomfort and despair. It does. We would be lying if we didn't say so. Romans chapter one, verse eighteen through thirty-two, it, it describes us pretty well. Paul kind of hits the nail on the head. It says. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. Because of this, God gave them over to, to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to attain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do not do what ought to, uh, so they do what ought not to be done. They begin filled filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. that's just Tuesday. But we're fed messages constantly of inadequacy. That we need to look this way, have this hobby, this sport, this stuff, this house, this car. More, more, more. That's the message of our culture. And it keeps us in this cycle where that, that sin just keeps us trapped. Instead, Instead, we have to reject those things, that idolatry. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. A lot of our troubles are caused by us pursuing the wrong things. A lot of our lack of peace are caused by our idolatry, by the things that consume us, these messages of the world that we have bought and internalized, put into ourselves, where we measure ourselves by worldly standards instead of by godly standards. Yes, we need to accept that we are, we are sinful, fallen people. But, and this is the great part, the great news, we are loved and called and redeemed and adopted. We ask those questions, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Those things we need to acknowledge. Yes, I'm, I am a fallen, sinful man, but I am loved and called and redeemed been adopted into the royal family. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, it says this. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Isn't it amazing how God gives? With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen Write this in your hearts. Write down on a piece of paper. Put it on your bathroom mirror. God made you. God knows you. God chose you. God redeemed you. God justified you. God adopted you. And God has made a place for you in eternity. The question is, have you chosen him? That's great, Phil. That doesn't really help me. When, um, when I'm, I've lost a loved one. When we've gotten the diagnosis. When we've got to go to the hospital. Or maybe we can't go to the hospital to see our loved ones. Where do I find peace in that, Phil? Well, here's the promise. There will be storms. That's what he says. There will be storms. They will come. The promise is... God will deliver you. He will deliver you. This is a great quote from Beth Moore. God will either deliver you from the storm. He won't even bruise a heel. He will deliver you through the storm. Yeah, you're in it, right? When we get that, when we get that notice, when we get that thing, when it happens, when we lose our job, we're in the storm. God chose not to deliver us from it. So we're in it. So we can stand confidently knowing He will either deliver us through the storm or He will deliver us into His arm. But either way, he will deliver us. We go back to Rishak, Nishak, and Abednego. That's what, exactly what they said. We're in the storm. We're going. But he will either deliver us through it, or he will deliver us into his arms. I can stand confidently on that. See, the thing is that if our purpose is worldly success, we will have no end of trouble, and in the end, we will have nothing to show for it. But if our purpose changes from what can I earn, what can I make, to who can I serve, and what can I give, it changes everything for us. It gives us a mission statement, a purpose to go with us. And our mission statement is simple, to love God and to love others. When we talk about inner turmoil, the other thing that causes us inner turmoil is guilt. We rack ourselves with guilt. Guilt from things we have done and guilt from things that, quite frankly, we haven't done. Guilt from things that we have been forgiven for a long, long time ago when we refuse to let go. But guilt can steal our peace. As we go into 2021, we need to make peace with these things. So if you have done something that has harmed someone, make peace with them reconcile with them do it now don't don't wait the bible says while you're on the road make peace with them before you get to the courts before you get to the judgment seat confess what you have done confess to god and confess to the wrong person think about zacchaeus who was up in the tree he is the model for how we reconcile he confessed to jesus and then he said i will repay whatever i have wronged someone but don't wait That guilt steals your joy and it steals your peace. And if you've laid it before God, then let it go. One of the things we do constantly is we bring things back up in our own mind. The devil likes to whisper back to us our own past. Things that, you know, have long since gone away. Things that we have laid before God, laid before the cross. And God says, I remember them no more. Boy, we sure do, don't we? And they come to steal our peace. Let them go, because God already has. Then we get to peace from external turmoil. Like we talk about being in the storm. There's all kinds of trouble. Storms and floods and fires and hurricanes. War and famine and pestilence. Civil unrest. Riots and looting. Societal change. What about society being immoral? What about work and family and relationships? What about Aging and sickness and loss. How do I find peace in this storm? I call this having a warrior mindset. That is, we want to be alert. But not like paranoid, but just being on alert. And then being thoughtful, and then being prepared. If, um, when you know, we went through... Uh, emergency training they had you know, these different states of awareness from, from white to, to red. So you want to be in condition yellow all the time. See, white is when you're tuned out, zoned out, just completely checked out of the world. It's easy to be that way, right? We have every form of entertainment just being streamed and fed to us constantly. It's very easy to just bury ourselves in our little devices constantly and be completely tuned out, zoned out. And then what happens? Something happens, and and suddenly we're not prepared for it at all. We're not alert. And suddenly our reaction goes way to the other side because we were completely caught off guard. Instead, we want to be relaxed but alert. See, the Bible says to expect trouble. Jesus said right there, you will have trouble in this world. But really the thing is we should worry when we don't have trouble. If we're not, you know, taking flack, we're not over the target is really where it goes. So in this world, we will have trouble, and we're not, we're not looking for problems. Believe you me, we've got plenty. We don't have to go around looking for trouble. It'll find us. See, the thing is that rejection of idolatry and worldliness, it greatly reduces our worldly trouble. It was a um, thing Walter. He tells, the, he tells a story that one time their, their, their house burned down. They lost everything. They had gone up in the mountains and they came back and and their house had burned down. And his father said to him the most remarkable thing. I can't imagine standing there. It's absolutely devastating to think about having lost your house. But his dad comforted him and he said, that's all right. We didn't lose anything we couldn't do without. See, he was completely detached from those material things And so in this horrible time, he he found peace. Yes, they had a challenging rebuild ahead of them, but they didn't lose anything they couldn't do without. That yellow alert. So, next part is to be responsible. Let's talk about being fiscally responsible. Getting on the Dave Ramsey plan. The first thing Dave says is to what? Is to put $1,000 into an emergency fund. Why? The yellow alert. Because... Inevitably, you start to get things on track, and then the washer goes out, or the car needs work. It's one of those things that steals our, our, our peace, is when things come up, bad things happen, we are completely caught off guard, completely unprepared for them. We should be expecting trouble, and there is peace when we plan for and save for emergencies. The emergency is going to come, the trouble is going to come. We know it will come. It says so in the Bible. But when we save up and we plan for something that God says will happen, it mitigates it. Being responsible. I, I, like, I like the word tactically sound. Anybody like the word tactically sound? Let's be tactically sound in our daily life. Carry jumper cables and chains and a tow rope in your car. Know how to change a tire. Carry water and snacks and warm clothes. Why? No one wants to get a flat tire or have a dead battery. But there is peace when we know that we can safely change the tire. There is peace when you know your kids will be warm and fed while you get help. Wear your seatbelt. See, in this life, we will have trouble. Plan on it and prepare for it. The Cub Scouts, we have ten essentials that you pack into your, you're required to have them anytime you go hiking. You know, rain gear and warm clothes and a fire starting kit and compass and map and water and snacks and a first aid kit and a flashlight. Why? You may go on a hundred hikes and be fine, never need a single one of those things. But all it takes is one wrong turn on hike 101. But being prepared It helps us find peace during those times of trouble. When you know you're off track and you're lost, well, now I have my map and I have my compass and I have food and water. If we're stuck out here overnight, we can start a fire. In that time of trouble, we can find peace because we're prepared for it. So be thoughtful and practical about your life. How do you get to and from work? What can go wrong? With your method, and how can you prepare against those most common failures? Where do you live? What can go wrong with your house, and how can you prepare against the most common failures? Fire and flood and storm and wind and snow. What about food and water and heat and electricity? What about medicine? What about income? Where do you work? What can go wrong with your job, and how can you prepare against the most common failures? How long can you pay your bills without a job? I've been fired before and scared to death. How are we going to pay the mortgage and feed the kids? I can tell you, it would have been a lot easier if we had had three months or 6 months savings to give me time to find a job. Now, God chose us to deliver us quickly from that storm. It was entirely God. But it was by His grace, in spite of my lack of preparedness. It being physically prepared, knowing that we will face storms. Well, what about about the spiritual ones? Those are all physical emergencies. What about spiritual crisis? I hate to tell you this, but there's bad guys out there. Bad guys we can't even see. Our, Our evil that we face, it's generally not other people. Most other people are just trying to get by. There are truly evil people in the world. There are. But most people... They're just trying to get to from their day to the next day, just like each and every single one of us. But there are evil beings out there. And believe you me, it, it, I was thinking about this, that it's incredible. You know, Satan was able to get a third of the angels to fall with him. And he would like to get as many people as possible as well. For him, it's always more, more, more. So... I think we need to take God seriously. When we go to Ephesians chapter 6, and he says, hey man, put on the full armor of God. You need it. I don't think he was sitting there going, eh, you know, it'll be just fine. You know, you only need, you know, the boots. That'll be great, you know. No, he says, no, you need the whole armor of God. Expect this attack. It's coming. Have a warrior mindset. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. So when these time of trouble comes, what can I do? What are my actions? What options are available to the Christian? We've talked about being prepared, being mentally and physically prepared, knowing that storms are going to come. It's interesting, but violence and rebellion are generally not on the list. Isn't that odd? We were talking um, uh, last Sunday about the nation of Israel and about use of military force. It's one thing that Jesus didn't do with the 12. It's really striking. Nowhere in there did they form up an army. Nowhere did they go out and conquer anything. The one time Peter pulled out his sword, Jesus had to put a guy's ear back on and apologize. He's like, hey man, put that away, please, sir. You would think, considering all that is wrong in the world, that Jesus would be like, hey man, grab your swords, grab your shields, let's go. There's a bunch of evil going on in this world and we're going to get rid of it. He doesn't though. In fact, he he sort of says not to do that. He says, God does not ask us to defend his honor or to fight on his behalf. It's funny that Peter and Paul, they repeatedly went to jail rather than to rebel or to fight against What, by all accounts, would have been an evil government. Even though it was the Jews and the Romans who crucified Jesus, they obeyed. It's strange, it says it's perfectly good, it's a good thing to physically fight for our country or in defense of ourselves or others. See, if someone is physically threatening our safety or the safety of another, it's biblical for us to defend ourselves. And it's biblical to be a warrior or a law enforcement for your nation. Think about Abraham rescuing Lot or David or Samson or or Gideon or the Roman centurion. But the use of physical violence is very limited as an action for the Christian. Think about, like I said, Peter lopping off that advisor's ear. That was not what Jesus wanted, even though they were coming to arrest Jesus and he would eventually be killed on the cross. God also does not ask us to sit in judgment of others. he He says, judge others as you would be judged. Since you give yourself forgiveness, understanding, and mercy, give the same to everyone else. Give them forgiveness and understanding and mercy. Now, that doesn't mean that words don't hurt. And that doesn't mean you have to take abuse. But it does mean that we don't seek vengeance and we don't harbor anger or envy, and we don't sling condemnation at our brothers and sisters. So that's what not to do. So this is what to do. Our default action is prayer. Isn't that interesting? I know it's, it's kind of come to be a, a pun in the, in the media, but poor us. All we have to do is get on our knees and pray to the creator of the universe, an all-powerful God who is able to move mountains. Man, what a weak action that we can get direct counsel with God to help him, have Him come in and help our problems. He says to do that, to pray continuously, constantly on our knees, to bring with Him everything. It's funny how my, my prayer life has changed from you know, kind of a, a, a list on a yellow tablet. It's really a lot more of just kind of like this massive spewing out of everything that's going on. I get on my knees and it's like, Lord, man, this is everything. And I just kind of lump it all there. Like, hey, man, what do, what do you think? <laughs> but that's what he says. He says, bring it before me. I want to hear from you. This is your default position. The number one action you can take at any time in any storm is pray. Talk to me. Bring it before me. And the second thing is to act where we can. This is a tough one for us sometimes, is to act, not to sit on the sidelines, not to wait. And we go too far sometimes. We always want to, you know, we're like, well, we're not going to borrow money or use the credit card to do this. See, the thing is, if, if God wants us to do something, if he wants something done, he will provide the resources for it. If we're talking about like we need to go to the bank or we need to, you know, go borrow monies. No, God will provide the resources for it. And if you need some peace in this area, and I, and I mean this very seriously, come to the food bank. I, I have never in my life experienced anything like what we have had at the food bank. As far as God continuously providing resources. It really is an amazing Miracle. The food bank always has more than enough food and more than enough resources. It, it truly is a monthly miracle. And here's the thing. If we start losing food and resources, I guarantee what that's going to do is cause me to go to prayer. Be like, okay, what's changing? Are we off track? That would be a big sign to me that something has happened. Because since the food bank has started, all we have seen is an increase in resources. So if it's, that starts to change, then it's going to be like, all right, where have we gone wrong? Because if we are on God's mission, He will provide the resources for it. We can find peace in that. That whatever mission we are taking on, whatever it is that we are endeavoring to do, if it's in God's will, He will make it happen. And the same thing, if, if it's on your heart that you want to go on mission, that you want to go witness to some people, The biggest sign that you can get is God will provide the resources for it. If you're going, man, I'd like to go and drill a well, or I'd like to go and reach these people. If God blesses it, He will provide the resources for it. It's absolutely incredible. If it serves God's purposes, He will provide the resources for it. But think practically. Food, water, and shelter, and clothing. Bills. It was amazing over Christmas, I don't know if you guys read, but Dave Ramsey paid off $10 million in medical debt for Christmas this year. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. Our meals ministry, Miss Wendy, it's big. Yard work, housework. The point is that if we see or if we know someone who is in the storm, who is suffering, go ask them what they need. Visit them, talk with them, and then follow up. We all know that these storms, they, they have lasting effects. Check in with them until they're back on shore, until they're back on solid ground. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16-18, through 18, it just tells us to do exactly this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them... How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or with speech, but with actions and in truth. See, there is peace in giving and in receiving. When we see someone in need and we give a helping hand, quite frankly, it makes our burdens lighter. It clarifies our priorities. Suddenly, all of the things that have been weighing us down they get a little bit more trivial because we are focused on a problem, and we know that what we are doing is the right thing, and we know that we have God's blessing and resources. Handling comes the hard part, and that is not being afraid to ask for help or to receive help. That's the terrifying part, isn't it? Because we always want to be able to do it on our own. We think that it's a, a sign of weakness or a sign of failure if one of our brothers or sisters has to come alongside us and help us, don't we? We think that it's a, a sign that you know we failed as a human being, that we're no longer worthy of society if we get to a place where we need help. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. And we were never designed to go that way. We we know this. I like the song, there's a song by 10,000 Maniacs it's called Trouble Me. You know, it's, Disturb me with all your cares and your worries. Trouble me on the days when you feel spent. Why let your shoulders bend underneath this burden when my back is sturdy and strong? Trouble me. But what about the song, Lean on Me? You guys know that song? Right? Lean on me when you're not strong. Why? Why? Because someday I'm going to have a burden that you can help me with. That's why. See, there is peace in knowing that we are not alone and that we have help. We need to change our mentality on this to get a a sports or a family mentality here. See, the thing is that if we were watching a game and there was a player out there who refused to pass the ball, who refused... To let anybody else play the game, we'd be like, that's the most selfish player on the... Why are they even out there? We like players when they're out there, when they're passing the ball, when they're working together as a team, when they share the burdens. When you see them help another teammate up, or maybe they help an opponent up. You go, that's the guy I want to be like. When we see somebody who is unselfish on the court, but then we don't take that and apply that in our own lives being unselfish, where we're willing to share our burdens. Yeah, we want to put the work in. No one likes a, a brother or a sister who is a bad roommate, right? You've got to do your own dishes and you've got to take care of your laundry and you've got to do those things. But it's also arrogant to be selfish or to be a ball hawk. So we have peace that we are seeking. Peace from... Those internal storms. See, there is peace in knowing who we are, why we are here, and what our purpose is. That while we are fallen and sinful and separated, there is peace in those promises of God. That God made us, that God knows us, that God chose us, that God redeemed us. That God justified us and God adopted us. And God has made a place for us in eternity. There is peace knowing that God will deliver us. Than those external storms. Being alert and being thoughtful and being prepared, both physically and spiritually, will help us have peace when we are in those storms. We'll close with this quote from Spurgeon It says, We have a great end to serve, we have a grand life to live, we have a grand helper ready to help us if we will but believe in him. Therefore, We need not blow a trumpet before we begin, and we need not make a fuss when we are in the midst of our service. Nor need we lie down on the ground as if we were the most wretched of men because of our heavenly calling. No. But we may just feel the Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our refuge. And walk with God through life in that holy quiet which springs of conscious strength. Let us enjoy the calm of heart which comes of knowing that the reserves of God are infinite and that at any moment they can come to the front and deliver should an emergency occur. So let's carry that into 2021. Amen? We're going to close with Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp and make music to Him on the ten-string lyre. "'Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. "'For the word of the Lord is right and true. "'He is faithful in all he does. "'The Lord loves righteousness and justice. "'The earth is full of his unfailing love. "'By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, "'their starry hosts by the breath breath of his mouth. "'He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. "'He puts the deep into storehouses. "'Let all the earth fear the Lord.' Let all the people of the world revere him, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Father, blessings you have given us. Father, I lift this year up to you. Think about our kids going back to school and going back to work, and the world still seems to be upside down. But I am seeking your face. I'm seeking your face from this place. That we would be your hands and feet, that we would go forward, willing to act in a way that is pleasing to you. That you would give us the resources necessary to be on your mission, to spread your message of love, that people would be closer to you, that they would know you, Father, as, as we go into 2021. That those who are in need would be, would be comforted, that not just to be comforted, but that they'd be clothed and fed and sheltered. We lift up our children to you, Father, that they would be safe, that they would see you, that they would know you, that they would be guided by your light and by your voice. We lift up our little town of Fruta to you, that you would bless it, that you would bless it abundantly, that it would be so amazing that the people that that deny you would have no choice but to turn their face towards you and acknowledge you as God. Father, we lift up our, our nation to you, That you would speak loudly to our leaders, that you would guide them in your ways. We know that all things are under your power, Father, and that this is your will. We just ask that your will be done, that your goodness and your mercy and your blessing pour into the hearts and pour into the mouths of our leaders, that they would be so full of you that they could hear nothing else and need nothing else. They could only speak your words and do actions that are pleasing to you. Father, we lift up our world to you. That this year would be your year. Where every nation, where every tongue would confess that you are Lord. That they would see you and know you. Draw close to you. That they would choose you. Lord, we ask that you protect us, keep us safe. That you be in front of us and behind us and to our left and to our right as we move out into this week. Give us courage and strength and the resources that we need, Father. Father, I can't help but think about health battles that are still going on, that still cancer and and the loss of loved ones and and COVID and a lot of people that we know of that are are sick. They need your healing hands. So we're asking for that. We're asking for healing. If it's your will, Father, please heal their bodies. If you want to use some doctors and nurses, that's great. Or if you just want to do it, that's, I got no preference. Father, if you would just please heal them. We're just, we want more time. We want more time with our loved ones, please. We have good church family that are grieving loss. If we can be their comfort, please. But please, Father, if you can be there with them. Speak loudly to them as they grieve and mourn and wail. Father, we uh, lift up this day to you. It will be pleasing in your sight. In your Son, Jesus Christ's name.